Coming up, I'm going to be giving you my thoughts and opinions on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Let's do the time warp again in this episode of Diz Pop. Pop is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts in helping you plan the perfect vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Rhino Clavin, and I'm just going to get right into it. Um, I just finished watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Let's do the time warp again, the thing that aired on Fox. Um, I'm talking a little quietly because it is now 11 o'clock at night, and Eli is trying to sleep, and I don't want the dogs to start barking. So I apologize if my... My voice is a little sultry and uh, for you people out there, but I'm diving right in. Uh, you know, normally I give the spoiler warning here. I'm basically going to go from beginning to the end of the movie here, but it is beat for beat the exact same movie as the original, pretty much only uh, terrible. Um, I don't, I, I honestly, I don't even know where to start. I'm just, I'm going to start off by saying, like, I didn't care for it, um, and... The reason being, well, there's many reasons, and I, I guess I'll kind of just get into them, but um, the f- impression I have from this film was that it was your stepdad's Christian rock camp, band camp um, version of Rocky Horror. Like, it was like, you, you know, the, the stepdad overheard you talking about it, and he wanted to be cool like you, and so he, he learned about it, and he put on a show and but he didn't take the time to understand what the material is what the source material means and why it is what it is it was just it was just it was empty it was it was the kids bop version of rocky horror it was karaoke rocky horror it was just it you know it was uh, it just i don't know um i will i will say this i will encourage you to watch it for yourself to get your own opinion as well i don't want to deter anybody from seeing it um but even even so it was like the i don't i'll get into it but um i guess i'll just go right in and talk about it if you if you're not familiar with the rocky horror picture show the original one i really would honestly be honestly be curious about your feedback if you've watched this one like what you thought of it because i don't really think there are parts of this movie that you could understand without knowing the original film at all or any of the history involved in it, especially as you get to the latter half of the film, because the scene transitions start to make less and less sense than they did in the original film. But um, I'd be curious to that. But um, the original film came out in 1975, starring Tim Curry in a very iconic role of his in his career, and the um, the the Susan Sarandon, uh, Barry Boswick, um, both play uh, Brad and Janet, respectively. And um, Meatloaf has a cameo as the character Eddie in this film as well. He sings one of my favorite songs in the film. Um, and uh, it was, you know, written... It, the, the film is based on the stage play that is written by Richard O'Brien, who also uh, plays Riff Raff in the, the film and the stage play. Tim Curry played um, uh, Frankenfurter in the um, stage, uh, stage play and the film as well. And um, <clears throat> this film is like an ode almost to 50s sci-fi films but it's also a lot about like sexual revolution because the whole idea is that frankenfurter is this man in this castle who is building another man um for his 
own desires for his entertainment. Um, but he's not really, he's not necessarily gay. I mean, he's, he dresses up in very elaborate outfits, women's clothes sometimes. Um, you know, so the whole, he's a transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Um, I'm sorry if you're hearing any weird noises. My chair, like I put the microphone on my chair. And so I'm like trying to sit still, but I'm getting fidgety as I talk about this. And also I feel like I'm slowly, slowly tilting for any of you that are watching, but this is this is what happens when you leave the production to 11 p.m. at night. I'll, I'll try and fidget with this just a smidge. I don't know if that levels me for you guys or makes it worse, but anyway. Okay, sorry. As my OCD was going. Um, okay, so Frankenfurter, Tim Curry plays Frankenfurter, like I said, who is a man, um, you know, hauled up in this castle, and he's got his associates there, we'll call them, Um and he's he's building the man, and Brad and Janet are the cookie cutter, um, the the society, the best that society has to offer. You know, they're the the slices of white bread. You know, um, the do gooders and the never do wrongs. The and they um, get engaged in the beginning of the film, and they um, set off to go tell the man uh, their their uh, professor. Um, who whose class they met in, um, Dr. Scott, they, they want to go tell him the good news. And as they do, they break down on a rainy night. They get swept up into the castle and this whole thing. And um, it basically, the film, they end up learning about themselves in the process and about what, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to describe because I don't want to like, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to. It, it's 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 just basically this unusual musical um but it's it's a very iconic film so it i don't know that it was necessarily successful in its initial run it was then later like replayed and it was i think in new york city somewhere around um like nyu or something like college students would go and um they'd become so familiar with it that people would start like talking to the movie screen you know they would say the dialogue or there's a lot of like, like a pause in the movie they'll say a line like um you know there's a song riffraff sings in the um over at the frankenstein place when the brad and janet are walking up to the castle they talk about there's a light in the darkness of everybody's life and there's a solo by riffraff in the window of the castle and he says like flow morpheus flow and one of the you know you can adopt the lines throughout time because one where i used to go and um to the midnight shows in boston and cambridge um I, one that I remember is somebody would shout out, what's your favorite character in the Matrix? You know, Morpheus. And he says, flow, Morpheus. And it's it's stuff like that. And um, it's just got this culture now that, like, kind of, it snowballed into this thing. And then it became, like, there's, um, uh, I forget the name of the bag you get, but it's got the stuff in it. So, like, um, you know, in the wedding scene, you throw up the rice in the air in the movie theater. Um, which this version of it changed it to popcorn, which is interesting, too, because... A lot of movie theaters actually ended up getting rid of that part of the thing because um, people would throw the rice at the screen; it would damage the screen. Um, so you can get this grab bag. Like there's a when they're putting the newspapers over their head and walking up, you're supposed to kind of do the same thing. And you know when the time warp happens, you jump out and you dance in in the in the aisles. And <clears throat> it's just it's it's a very interactive midnight showing you go to now. And I'm sure if you look it up, they do it at Universal twice a month, two weekends a month. 
every month um, at Universal City Walk. Where I was in Boston was every Saturday night, and um, they'll reenact. They do what they call a shadow cast. So the movie plays on the screen, and then people below play the characters, and they kind of do the motions of the movie. It's it's an interesting experience. If you've never done it, it's fun to do at least once. You know, go in the city, have a couple drinks, and just watch that. That's what we would do. Um, you know, take the train in, or um, we'd all drive up in somebody's minivan or something like that. My friend Paul's minivan. Um, that was always a blast. We called it the minivan's name was Desert Rose, so we always had you know that sting song blaring. But regardless, so it's got that kind of a culture. Everybody's got a moment they have with it, you know. And so it is one of those movies that has become undeniably iconic in in a sense that it's maybe not it's not a great film as far as films go. However, it has become the societal this thing, you know, and and it's hard because it's got because it's a movie that is you you know known for people knowing every line of the movie. You it, you can't really change any of that, and um, I am a big believer. It's like Wizard of Oz, how you know you could never really make remake the Wizard of Oz. They can kind of make prequels, they can make sequels, they can do whatever. I don't know that you can ever remake the Wizard of Oz and have it, you know, be anything better. This is one of those situations, too, where, like, I'd be very open to a remake, but it has to take the material seriously. This did not take the material serious, serious to a point. Because I like camp as well, because I think the success of Spider-Man 2001 is because it's just the right amount of campy um, and the right amount of funny for a superhero movie. But I'm I'm digressing here. Um Let's just get into my thoughts as we go through the film of this current one. Um, so, everybody knows the opening of the original Rock, Rock, excuse me, Rocky Horror Picture shows those big red lips, and they sing science fiction double feature. Um, in the in play in um, uh, stage play versions of the show, it, it's actually an usher that comes in and and does it, and that is the same for this this version is an usher who's coming up to this movie theater and and i i actually enjoyed the opening of that um it was cool because it kind of it put into um it it made sense of lines of old movies that nobody would necessarily know i mean everyone knows fay ray king kong but like there's some other other ones and like the day the earth stood still i don't know that people you know, younger people would know that's a movie and stuff like that. So, so she's like going into the movie theater and she's like next to all these older posters and, you know, she's getting the theater ready for a midnight showing, a science fiction double feature. So it says, and, um, it's kind of cool because everybody's there to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I, I was like, okay, I like this opening. And the idea too is that the audience that's there is going to be doing the audience participation that we would do throughout it. So there's this kind of fourth wall, I don't know if it's fourth wall or if you call it metaphysical, but it like pulls out of the movie to the audience watching it and has the reaction. Um, I appreciate the idea of trying to include that. However, they kind of stop a quarter of the way and they only really do like the anticipation line where they go say it and it it just wasn't there's so much it's literally if you go see this movie at midnight every other line in the movie has something you you like yell out or do whatever or there's like movements involved at squirt guns like um and they didn't they kind of like dropped it like a little a little ways through so it didn't it wasn't very successful in my in my opinion i think it would have been fine if it was people going to see the midnight show and they kind of like 
left it at that, but whatever. But it really just goes downhill from there. That's really the highlight of the film. Um, the Then it does the, the way the film opens, which is um, Brad and Janet are attending their friend Ralph um, and Betty uh, Habshack, their, their wedding, um, which, like, they get married and come out, and then a funeral comes out of the church right behind them. But um, they they did this scene. It's it's weird because this scene opens, and you're like, is it supposed to be the 70s? Is it supposed to be now? Because some people's costumes don't match up right. So, Or is it supposed to be timeless? But the film's uh, cinematography and, like, the general feel and look of everything is too polished for it to supposed to be like existing out of time. But I don't, I'll just assume it was timeless, but so they do the, the Brad and Janet thing, pretty much same scenario at the church. And in in the, I, I will say one thing I respect is that if you look closely in the background, you'll see that Reeve Carney who plays Riff Raff in this version, he's also there. And in the, in the original movie, all the Transylvanians are actually all the people that are at the, um, the, uh, the wedding and the funeral. And they kept true to that, so that was nice. And um, that's that's kind of where it ends. The Brad, this scene is just like it was like somebody said you have to be bad in this. Like you you can't be good. It, it, rather than trying to take the lines and make it your own thing, but reading from the script. Oh, I should say first of all, the script for this film was pretty much the exact script with minor word adjustments here and there um, of the original film and. I mean, I guess that's kind of what you have to do for Rocky Horror, but, you know, even with that, I think you still could have had creative leeway with how you deliver lines and stuff like that, and they didn't, it was basically like, I felt like the Brad, especially in this Damn It Janet scene, was almost like an insult to Barry Boswick's performance, because I thought Barry Boswick played the Brad character beautifully, like, he plays it the way Brad is, is this overconfident um cocky kind of dork like uptight loser like and this this guy brad just i don't know just phones it in like he can sing okay but it just kind of i don't know didn't do it for me but um and janet didn't really shine in the scene um she didn't start off she didn't get started very well however i will say by the she for me is one of the better people in this film um she can sing and the Brad and the Brad can sing later. He he does better in other songs, but um, so um, they, they they do the whole thing. They decide they're going to go tell Doctor Scott. So they drive. They get the flat tire. Um, they they get out. They go start to walk up to the castle. Now here's where it changes a little bit because the castle here in this version is actually um, the exterior of the movie theater. Uh, so it's like movie theater castle because it's still, still like a castle, but it has like the science fiction double feature sign. And, um, so the interior is semi reflected in this. Also, I want to back up when the, um, Usher is, is getting the, the film projector to, uh, the, the projectorist, is that the word projectorist? I don't know. To turn on the projector. It's like, I think it's meatloaf, but I'm not 100% sure, or if it just was meant to look like meatloaf. I don't know. But anyway, so they go in, and, you know, this is the famous scene of where the time warp begins. And I'll tell you, right away, the music starts playing, and I was like, oh. So it's like uh, an acoustic time warp or something? And the guy who plays Riff Raff Reeve Carney, he is, um, you may know him from Spider-Man on Broadway. He was the original, I believe the original, or the one that replaced the original 
Yeah, he replaced he replaced the original because I believe I saw Reeve Carney as Spider Man in on Broadway, um, and as Riff Raff, he clearly was trying to imitate Richard O'Brien. And on top of that, whenever he would start singing, it was like he was having a seizure. He just like I don't I know the character's unbalanced and weird, but it was just kind of like when he was imitating him and not singing, it was just very boring. And then when he would sing, it was just like. Like, good lord, man. Somebody give this guy a stick so he doesn't bite down on his tongue. Um, but basically, the time warp was abysmal. Um, this is pretty much the start of, like, where you'll watch the time warp and be like, this is very representative of the film itself. Um, and at this part, I do want to say, Mr. Tim Curry plays the role of the narrator. So if you're not familiar with the original film, the narrator kind of comes in and out of the story to talk about Brad and Janet's, you know, the story. And um, I actually thought, well, I really honestly, I think Tim Curry was the best part of the movie. Now, Tim Curry did have a stroke recently and not too long ago. Um, and so, you know, if you're not familiar, um, when after you have a stroke, you kind of do have to do, like, speech therapy and stuff like that to bring you back. So his voice, um, well, he speaks very clearly, is it doesn't, it doesn't sound the same anymore because, you know, it's basically you have to relearn how to talk. And so your voice develops different. Um, I thought... The narrative parts are probably the best part of the movie. Um, he did a good job. He is um, uh, wheelchair-bound as well. So he's got, like, an assistant in the scenes and stuff. But, um, I don't know. He did good. I was happy to see him. Happy to see him in there. Um, and happy that he could be a part of it, even if it was a travesty. But at least it's a nice, like, here he is. You know? I don't know. I like when it's a full circle thing. But so they do the time warp, and it is a little different. Um... Which is fine. I don't care. The choreography, the dancing, the the song itself can be different. I would actually prefer that you take, uh, um, take uh, what's the word? I can't even think. I'm so wrapped up right now. I'd rather you take creative license with some stuff like that. Um, and you know they did and didn't. Like I said, it's very karaoke. It doesn't really ever. It doesn't have that same like a time warp is the song that everybody knows. You know it. It is the essential Rocky Horror Picture Show song, and I don't know. You, you kind of mess up the, the the main number of the whole the whole thing. You, I don't know. So anyway, so they're in the interior of the theater, and and, and you know, in the this is the scene. As soon as the um, time warp ends, this is where Frank Frankenfurter, Doctor Frankenfurter, makes the entrance and in the original it's a foot tapping like you hear the tapping and um it's brad and janet but janet starts panicking she wants to leave and then frankenfurt is coming down the elevator behind them and and she turns around and it's a reveal and she Wah! and screams and you know passes out this is like there's a movie crane that comes in like it's you know one of the ones you sit and then the oh, sorry i'm like squeak squeaking in my chair um it comes in and it like drops down Frankenfurter and it's just a not an impressive reveal at all and it doesn't have I'm sorry I, I I don't know Laverne Cox other than this I do know that Laverne Cox is one of the first um outwardly open transgender actors and I believe she's from the Orange is the New Black which I don't watch yet um and she might be great on that show. She is. She was. A, first of all, I don't like when Frankenfurter is cast as a female. The Glee episode of Rocky Horror had um, Mercedes as Frankenfurter, and though Mercedes has this voice that she can belt and sing, and it's great. For me, Frankenfurter is literally the only role that has to be 
a male role. And I understand they were trying to update and say, like, transgender, and that's fine. If they wanted to make this transgender character, except for they never acknowledge the fact that Laverne Cox is a transgender um, individual. And so that's... The whole point of that is lost in this film completely and entirely. Um, you know, in the original... Because there is a scene where Frankenfurter gets intimate with both Brad and then Janet. And so... Separately. And so that's the whole idea. is that it's, He's like pansexual. Like, it's, it's sexual fluidity. And a, a man and a woman are together. It's like, okay. And I get like... I guess it's like, okay. Well, then the Janet scene. It's the two women. But I don't feel like the idea of this woman creating a man in her laboratory is as like, oh my god, this guy's building a guy to get intimate with. So, it doesn't, it just doesn't have the same impact. It kind of loses that little bit of it. Um, Laverne Cox also, to me, it's not like she's a bad singer, but she seems like somebody that was like, okay, and they clearly hired a vocal coach to work with them. So, like, if we were at a dinner party and they got up and sang at the piano, you'd be like, oh, Laverne, that was beautiful. But you watch this, it's, it's, a, it's a get-by performance. It's not, it's not offensive. It's not um, Russell Crowe in Les Mis. It's, but it's, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not good. It's not, the, the, the range her range is not it's not it's not there and she pronounces everything so weird it's a weird accent and it's just like i i don't know it's it's like maybe she's not confident or maybe i don't know it's just like tim curry was like he owned that you know he owned that song and everything and he's got the the eyebrow well you got a flat well how about that you know and throws the water in the in the camera lens and it just it's it's like he was committed to this role and not to say that i should say laverne cox looked like she was enjoying herself in the role running around in the makeup and the the costumes and but it wasn't it didn't it just felt like somebody, like, at a Halloween party, I guess. It didn't have that same kind of commitment to this, like, I'm in charge. I lead this castle. I am the head of here. And I am crazy. It was just kind of like, eh, here's this person. So, I, I don't know. It just, no songs that she sang were great for me. Um, let me see. Reef Carnation never have left Spider-Man on Broadway is what I wrote. Um... This is also the point where I'm like, everything is lit far too well. It's all very bright and very, like, it's very, it's very Glee. It looks like Glee, but Glee did a better version. Their Glee episode of Rocky Horror is not that bad. It, it's a better version than this. And, and it, it just kind of like, nothing is reflective of the, you know, so when they do the time warp, it's kind of like, oh, they're just dancing. Like, there's no... I don't know. It doesn't feel like I'm in this dreary castle. It's a rainy night. I'm in this horror movie. Oh, I'm scared. I'm a duck. And and there are no camera angles that reflect any of this. And I guess like they filmed it in a way that it's supposed to seem like it was the live production, but it doesn't even feel like that. It feels clearly like it was a made thing, but it also feels like, you know, Craig put it, he, you know, it feels like the budget's $72. You know, it wasn't, I, or maybe they lost all the budget on the costumes or something, or clearly on the the multitude of lights they had that they didn't need. But, um, and it's also very apparent no one can actually lip sync very well. It's very like you're like, oh, yep, definitely lip syncing right now. Um, 
I wrote, it's like the Catholic Church's version of Rocky Horror. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I've been struck down. Um, it's, it's, there's no believability to anyone's performance at this point in the film. Nobody, you know, even, even Janet, it feels like she's kind of just like, at least she like kind of grasps the character a little bit at this point. It's just kind of like they're all playing caricatures of this version and it, it, it feels less than a, a production of it. Like that I would go to a local community theater. Um, and I just, I don't understand the Frank entrance. There's no big reveal. There's no passion to the sweet transvestite song. It's like everyone's sitting around and decided to just kind of say everything. Like it was a table read. It's just, there's no passion there. And, um, I always think it, it seemed like these people may, must've signed on to be like, I love Rocky Horror. I want to be in this. Let's make this movie. And then they got there and were like, oh, poop. What did I do? Now I'm stuck here. signed into this. Um, and I also, like, I don't know, they look directly into the camera sometimes, so I was like, are you aware there's just somebody watching? They make a joke about it later on, but I don't know. Gosh, um, <coughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I'm going to take a little sip of water right here. So the other actor I've complained about is Columbia. Um, she is terrible. I mean, like, I get maybe this character is supposed to be very um, like an Aubrey Plaza type, very flat and like, I shouldn't even say Aubrey Plaza, excuse me. I should say Aubrey Plaza's character from uh, April from uh, Parks and Recreation. Um, It's not, yeah, it's clear, like, this person seemed like they were forced into being in the movie or something. When they sing, they can actually sing, though. Um, But it just, not great, not great. Um, okay, and here's the other weird thing. So there was commercials, and every commercial, this mo- this was sponsored by Disney, because, and it fe- you're like, oh, this is the High School music- Musical version, and that's why Kenny Ortega is the director, um, because they showed a, an extended Doctor Strange preview, they showed a Guardians of the Galaxy preview, and they showed a Moana preview, like, all trailers. It wasn't like a 10-second TV trailer. Um, and, um... There was another thing, too, they showed. But, yeah, it, it was on Fox, though. So that was interesting that they were the sponsor. Mm. Okay, so the thing that really bugs me about the crane entrance of Frankenfurter, there is an elevator in the film later because they go upstairs to the lab. Uh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, and so I found Laverne Cox's mouth to be very distracting. Her mouth is huge, and her lips are, like, like, there had got to be a serious amount of collagen injected into those lips. Um, they pretty much had a mind of their own. Um, I, yeah, so at this point I said I don't mind Janet. Um, the speech, though, the speech right before Rocky is born, that monologue that, like, you know, Tim Curry gives the the monologue in the original about um, just the idea he had and, you know, step up the reactor, three more points, and um, it's painful. It's just cheesy light, and it's just it's like in this too small of a room. I don't know. It it was not it was not great. Um, I will say I did enjoy the. I thought the gentleman who played Rocky was attractive. Um, I thought he could sing. I liked his singing better than the original Rockies, but the original Rocky, um, I believe he was deaf. Uh, and so it's not actually his voice singing; it's somebody else's. Um. So, you know, 
it was it was an interesting but i i thought he was he was okay i i just have the shoes complain he's wearing like boxers when he gets made his gold boxers it's like they were so intricate with everybody's costume and then they gave him boxers not even the brief that's famous for the movie i mean they kept him in gold but it was like okay it's 2016 you couldn't give him something that was a little more attractive good god um he had a belly tattoo, though, that was a little weird, too, and one on the arm that I was like, oh, so you're not even going to try to cover those up? That's cool. Um, and there's, like, a stage with a live band inside of where they're doing this um, experiment because Eddie makes his uh, appearance, which I, I liked his appearance because he, he drives the bike through a window and he kind of just starts his, you know, he sings the Whatever Happened to Saturday Night, the Hot Patootie song, and... Um, Adam Lambert. I was really looking forward to him as Eddie, and I won't say it was bad. I just feel like whoever was the music arranger for this, they did not take full advantage of the artists they had available to do that song. They took no chance with that song, and it was, again, a watered-down karaoke version of Hot Patootie, which I think is a very strong song, and a good song, and a good standalone song. And here you have Adam Lambert, who's this power ballad singer, and he, you know, he's... He like he is Rocky Horror, and what a wasted what a wasted moment. And then also, so you know, spoiler alert. But Frankenfurter kills Eddie right after he finishes the song, and um, I liked how Frankenfurter like basically stabbed him, pushed him out of a window in this one. But he never says one from the vaults, and so you don't really get that this is an ex-lover or, you know, that like there's a thing that had gone on and then he got with Columbia and that's why Frank doesn't like Columbia. And so it kind of took context out. And that's like the one line from the original movie that is not in this movie. And I was like, I guess because he didn't come out of a vault, but it was, it was a double, it was a double meaning, but, um, so the bedroom scene that follows this, the, the, you know, it's very famous for like, it's got the blue lit or, red lit scene and it's just the shadows um because it's all through a curtain um of like oh frankenfurter sneaks in and he's with janet as brad and it turns out it's frankenfurter she's like no 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 and then they they get together and then he does the same to brad and the same you know it's this like funny scene shot that way they shot it like normal but it wasn't it didn't have the same effect so it was just kind of like meh i don't i don't know um the bedroom scene's weird and um, but Columbia and um, Magenta are watching still like they did before. And they kept the Mickey ears in the movie because in the original she was wearing Mickey ears and she was wearing them again. But again, I like um, Janet's singing voice. Um, but when we get to the touch a touch a touch me, it was the least sexual version of this song I have ever, ever seen. You You have a song that is literally about this woman exploring her sexuality and it dissolves into jumping on a bed like pillow fighting. And... I mean, eventually, by the very end of the song, a hand slips up by accident, up, you know, to a bosom. Um, but it's it was just weird. It was weird. Um, the Dr. Scott entrance, I don't know how I felt about Dr. Scott. It wasn't like I found him, like, offensive or anything. It wasn't like he was terrible, but he wasn't great either. It was just kind of, again, like, yeah, I mean, this guy got cast and he just kind of had fun with it. And that's fine. That was fine. I mean... It's not like he ruined the part, but he sang stuff a lot differently, and it was like the arrangement of the, uh, you know, when Edite, I can't even think, sorry. I'm so sorry, I'm yawning. Um, 
I, I don't know. He was okay. I don't really have a lot to say about him. I shouldn't, I don't, I don't really go into that, but, um, but this is the point where it, like, the scene chains, the scene changing is starting to make less and less sense because, because of, like, where they are placing-wise in this versus where they are in the original, and they kept, like, the name-calling section of it, you know, where they go, oh, Janet, Dr. Scott, Brad, Janet, Dr. Scott, and... I felt like they changed it. I don't think it worked in this movie. Like, it's weird in the first one, in the original, like, funny, but, like, in this one, it was just kind of like, okay, that's enough. I'm done. Um, but, yeah, again, the the scenes, as you're getting further down to the into this, make less and less sense. Less than the original. I know they don't make sense transition-wise in the original. At least they kind of do if you keep watching it, but... Like, you know, so they all sit down to do the dinner scene, and um, there's a, you know, Columbia sits down and says, ah, I hope it's not meatloaf again, and that's the joke, is because, you know, the reveal is that they're actually eating Eddie, and, you know, Eddie was played by meatloaf in the original, haha. Um, but the reveal of the body of Eddie under the table, which, you know, was in the original, where they pull the tablecloth off, and they're eating on top of, like, Eddie's, like, coffin... It's terrible. It's like Adam Lambert making the stupidest face ever. And he's not injured. He's not whatever. And you're... I don't know. It just... It didn't... didn't make sense. It was kind of stupid. And Planet Schmanet was an insult. That was horrible. It might have been the worst done of all the songs. It just... You know, they changed the F word to Mind Game instead of Mind F. So that was fine. But I just... It was just, it was, it was, I think actually that might have been the low point of it, but, because, um, next they move into the floor show, and I actually enjoyed the floor show number. It's the one song that I will probably download the soundtrack just to get that one song, because, I, again, these four people, they can sing, the Columbia, Brad, Janet, and Rocky, but, um, you know, this is that one moment where they kind of all sung together. That was good, but the, um, the... Oh my gosh. Guys, don't yawn. Don't yawn. The, um, the Frank coming in, whatever happened to Faye Ray, um, entrance, he, I thought it was cute because Frank's dressed like, kind of like Faye Ray, and the entrance is on a, a, uh, King Kong hand that comes down. Um, so it kind of adds that whole there in an old movie theater, um, thing but again it's just Laverne Cox there's not a single number in this where I was like oh good job oh and it wasn't like oh you're terrible but it was never like oh I want to hear this version of it again uh, at all um um and so this dissolves that song dissolves into a pool in the original movie like an orgy in the pool um you know not not like graphic or anything like that they're just kind of all kissing and you know touching and stuff like that they actually kept that scene in here um, there was an, there was an actual, like, tongue came out, somebody, like, an actual kissing scene, um, and I almost thought there was gonna be a gay kiss, but of course there wasn't, because this is not an edgy Rocky horror at all, and for some reason that's still not okay to really kind of just see out and about for some stupid reason, but, um, Dr. Scott has a line at the end of this song in the original movie, um, I hated it in this one, it was just, it wasn't, it didn't work the same, but, um, yeah, so then, you know, this is the point in the movie where Columbia and um, Riff Raff, uh, not Columbia, excuse me, uh, Magenta and Riff Raff make their entrance into the, the room and they reveal, you know, if you haven't figured out, they're all aliens and they're, they're like, 
Frankenfurter, your time's up. You're, you're, we are, you know, your your mission's a failure. Um, your lifestyle's too extreme. You know, they're supposed to be like the man shutting down this whole thing. Remember, it's the mid seventies when this came out, um, and you know they're there to preserve like whatever. So you know, take it as you will. However, um, and this is his kind of like his his song. Um, and I don't, it just, it's like Laverne Cox, again, it feels like every time she speaks or sings, it's like she's trying to modulate her voice to be a certain way, and maybe that is because it's a transgender thing that I'm unaware of, I don't know, but to me, I've seen an interview with her, she didn't really talk like that in the interview, um, she never really lets it go, so it always feels like she always feels like she's restraining herself. You know what I mean? It feels like she's afraid to let go, um, and especially in Wild and Untamed Thing, I saw that. But again, uh, Reeve Carney. Every time he sings, he looks like he's about to have a stroke. So when he comes in with the Frankenfurt, I'm like, oh dear God, someone help this man. Um, um, okay, so the, the the song Going Home, which is the song that Frank sings, um, you know, you know, and then they, they're like, oh, just kidding, and you're not coming with us. I'm sorry if I misspoke, but it's a, that's where it's a perfect example of why this production doesn't work. This whole thing is, is an embarrassing karaoke version of Rocky Horror, and I, I, I would have liked an actual remake. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I didn't need this, this kind of like half in, half out. I would have, I would have been very open to whatever, you know, it, it's not the original and that's not what I wanted, but somebody who took this thing and, and just went all the way forward with it and didn't, didn't make this weird half-assed thing. Um, Laverne Cox is singing again. It's not terrible, but it sounds like an actor who doesn't sing, but had the help of a vocal coach. Like I said before, um, what's, what's the reason why I think, you know, Tim Curry is so iconic as Frankenfurter is because he's just absorbed by the role. Like, it's not Tim Curry playing Frankenfurter. It's, it is Frankenfurter. Like, he's just so confident. He's so, it's, I don't want to say Oscar worthy, but, but, you know, you get to a point where like years down the road, you can look back at something and say like, that person committed to this role, that person, you know, it, he, I feel the way I do about Tim Curry playing Frankenfurter as I do about like Meryl Streep playing Miranda Priestly in The Devil Wears Prada. It's that same kind of level of commitment to a character and a role. You know, The Devil Wears Prada. I love that movie. You know, it's a it's a lighthearted, it's a comedy. Um, you know, uh, and it, it, again, Meryl was nominated for an Academy Award, but like she, because she's committed to that role, Tim Curry was committed to this role of Frankenfurter, and he does it so well, and with this like rock and roll edge, and like it just fits. And this never, I never felt that the whole time. But but what I love is that he is committed, and anybody in that original movie, you know, you could you could argue that point. The same with Barry Boswick, as great as Brad. This movie, it seemed like nobody is committed to it. It seemed like they were all like. We know where the play things up here. Boop 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 boop. Like, I I know I'm just I don't know, I don't know. That was the that was the most frustrating thing to me is that it just felt very like everyone was doing an imi- not even an imitation. It was just kind of like everyone was doing their corniest like again a karaoke a visual karaoke of it. Um, 
and so you know you get to the end of the movie the whole end scene where like it is riffraff and magenta and magenta and they're like shutting it down because his lifestyle is too extreme and that message is all kind of muddled and lost in this because it's just frank's extreme ways they're not really i mean other than him murdering eddie and putting him out of the window it's just kind of like people with a lot of makeup that don't really dance very well um there's nothing really offensive going on um columbia's death scene was maybe the worst thing i've ever seen so when they shoot her with the laser it was just the ridiculous idiotic thing um it it and and what's terrible is like fox was like commercial right here boom fade to black and you're like it's gonna come back in and they're gonna have to laser rocky now so it just was like a weird they didn't like why didn't you make it right before they came in so i don't i don't know i don't get it but um Frank's death, terrible as well. So it's not like, boom, shot with a laser and they die, like in the original, you know, or something. You know, Rocky takes a couple shots. It was like, Frank died and he didn't really die for a few minutes. So it was bizarre. Like, um, And they had it set up so, like, Rocky picked him up and set him down back in the King Kong hand. And then Rocky dies. But Rocky dies on the side of the hand with his arm out. So his arm's out. And Frank put his hands down. So they're touching. Like, it's that painting of God touching man with the fingertips and you're just like really this is the one spot where you chose to like try and make a scene setting like that like oh the master and the creator i don't know and so they say they're going to beam the castle back to transylvania and then the you know riff and magenta and then they beam through a wall that knocks off a crap ton of terrible cgi well uh janet brad <coughs> excuse me brad janet Dr. Scott are leaving. And you're like, why did they insert so much terrible CGI right here? And and then the castle does eventually like start to teleport. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm happy they did keep the song Superhero in there though because I really like that and that was originally edited out of the original version of Rocky Horror and then was returned later. Um but I, what I like too is like Tim Curry even sings a little bit at the very end of that. That was nice. I I, I did appreciate that. However, it like fades to black right away and they're like boom credits so i don't know if like when it comes out on dvd maybe there's a second or two more it was literally like a too fast of a fade um but uh then they decide to have the lips or doing on the black uh screen with the red lips or at the end there's two of them so that's it that's all the notes i wrote here um i i literally like i'm trying to be positive about it like i like the nods to how they did stuff from the original but it was too one foot in, one foot out. It would just, you know, especially when you're doing word for word the same script. And then people, like, don't do an impersonation of Tim Curry, you know, or whoever. You know, just be your own thing. Like, don't, it's one or the other. You can't do both at the same time. I just do not understand the costume design either, especially Frankenfurter's costumes. There's only one in there that I liked. It was the one where she was wearing the leather jacket with the leather outfit because that was very reminiscent of Frank's actual outfit at that point. The rest of the outfits are like not I don't I don't I don't know. 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 And that's what I this whole time I just felt like there there's literally like so that one song I'll probably listen to again the the um the, the uh, oh my gosh, I already forgot it. The stage show where all four of them sang the Rose Tint My World. Um, but I, Janet, I, in the end, I felt like Janet was okay. Brad can sing too. It was just Brad clearly like didn't want to be in this movie. 
nobody wanted to be in this movie is what it felt like you know and um laverne cox again i don't i think maybe i would have enjoyed it better if there was a, a man but also that somebody that was like committed to the role that wasn't just like i'm in this role look at this role i've got boo, 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 i'm in the role it, it was like there was no serious there was no like oh i'm actually a thespian and i'm here to like commit to a part and i understand it is what it is but it was it was just a lot of like terrible impressions and you know terrible camera work uh, the lighting nothing reflects the style it, it is it is a perfect example of how you know you know in film great films have everything works in the same direction of the film it's like the the cinematography the 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 music the art direction all that move in the same direction and they all tell stories whether you're aware of it or not every aspect of that in film tells a story and great films they all are trying to tell not necessarily the same story but a story that is all headed in the same way you know this this is an example of how somebody took words on a piece of paper he said you know film a film b film this line this is the scene and they lit. It was just a literal. Here it is. It was. It was. There was literally no creative, um, no passion. It was not. There was nothing. No passion there. It was made by somebody who I don't think cared very much about Rocky Horror. Um, it was made by somebody who wanted a paycheck, and um, you know they wanted a High School Musical version of Rocky Horror. They clearly got what they wanted. So. I didn't like it, but I'm getting tired, um, and I, I, I'm just getting more and more frustrated about it. But I'll argue with anybody that this was horrible, um, if anybody thinks they liked it. Um, I mean, you're entitled to your own opinion, to like it if you want, as it were, but um, I would have liked to have seen a 2016 Rocky Horror Picture Show, like an actual remake. Like, you know, they, they spent the all their $72 they put into the budget here, and it just it felt like it should have either been the stage production filmed or it should have been the movie redone. And I think they had a missed opportunity, a huge missed opportunity here where they could have actually made uh, like a redo of this movie. And it, I think it could have been, it, it had potential, but it was just like all pieces assembled incorrectly. Um, and a big part of that for me, casting, second part of that, costume design, third part of that, lighting design, directing. It was, it was literally every piece in that movie was just, a lot of bruised fruit that came together and just did not create something nice. So that's my thoughts. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Or, I mean, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, tweet at me, um, Dispop Show. Um, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Um, you know, do you, have you seen the original? Have you done the Midnight Shows? Um, do you think you'll watch this one again? How do you feel about the soundtrack? Any Anything. I want to talk about it. I want to keep going, you know, and... Um, I, for me, I, the bottom line, this was an insult to the original and to everyone involved in the original, more or less. Um, but I, I am, I, I was say the highlight for me is Tim Curry. And so with that said, I'm going to bid you all a good evening. And um, I'll see you next time on the next episode of Dispop.